0: Comrades and welcome to uh, Workers Power on another wonderful Tuesday. Uh, You're with uh, Bill, Calypso and Jackson. And uh, yes, uh, thank you to Art Cart uh, for another wonderful uh, episode. Uh, um, so yes, uh, today on the show we've got uh, you've got a you know news is starting to happen again. So that's uh, fantastic. Uh, we've got some uh, workers' action to report on. We've also working on a and a phone interview with uh, uh, someone from uh, the T.W.U. Uh, uh, about the. Uh, the uh uh, sunbass uh workers who are out on the grass at the moment so uh, we'll we'll keep working on that for you Uh, and of course uh, stick around for the world famous scallywag of the week and we got a real scallywag this week uh um and and from a world famous company so uh yes uh we we will uh, bring that to you at the end of the show all right, well, um, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yugger and Tirrible people. This uh, land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge all First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggle for recognition, reparation and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rents. Okay, with that... Uh, First Nations workers action I've, I've, found, uh, I've found a story on uh, NITV by, uh, by uh, Michael Lee Siren um, this one I've got mixed feelings about it but the First Nations uh, um, uh, 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 the CEO of the Aboriginal Legal Service uh, thinks it's a, it's a great idea so I thought, thought we'd w- a report on it so down uh, New South Wales police must ask suspects and victims if they are Indigenous, regardless of their appearance or background, in a bid to create a fairer justice system. Unless you are arrested or placed in custody, New South Wales Police are under no obligation to ask or record record your Indigenous status. But that is about to change, with a new mandate introduced last week. New South Wales police are now required to ask victims, persons of interest, and suspects if they identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, and their status may be recorded in the police system. Nadine Miles, the acting CEO of the Aboriginal Legal Service New South Wales and the ACT. Uh, told uh, NITV that the changes are a positive opportunity to get a better understanding of how many Indigenous people are coming into contact with New South Wales Police. It's broader than just people in custody, which reporting has always been an obligation for police to do, she said. But people who are not being taken into custody could be Aboriginal and being charged but are not given the benefit to a referral to ALS. The Aboriginal Legal Service runs a custody notification service that police call only when an Indigenous person is arrested. Knowing the number of Aboriginal people coming into contact with police We want to see better data so that we can not only make plans for our services but also ensure that Aboriginal people taken into custody are getting the proper access to services available to them, Ms Miles said. About 3% of the population are Indigenous, but that jumps to 30% of the prison population in the year up to June 30, 2021, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. That's a great, sh- just as, as a pause there, that's a great shame on our on our country. Um, 3% of the population, yet 30% of the prison population. The proportion is even worse for Aboriginal young people who made up 40% of youths in detention in May last year. It's about being ru- real in relation to understanding the issue that is before us. Of course, more work has to be done, but it's better to know exactly how many people are in the system, and this will bring clarity, Ms Miles said. People are not required to answer questions about their status, and the mandate does not apply to traffic and transport infringements. Ms Miles acknowledged that some people may fear answering the question honestly, saying that appropriate cultural training for police officers is critical. I hope that police ask the question in a way that is respectful and not demeaning and doesn't cause offense, which will mean people give a false answer or don't want to participate, Ms. Miles said. They will absolutely not be this will absolutely not be a remedy, but it will bring clarity to the number of indigenous people caught up in the system. The changes are a recommendation of the New South Wales Police Aboriginal Strategic Advisory Council. we're, we're Wiradjuri. A, Wiradjuri. Thank you, man. Brendan Thomas is a member of the advisory council and told AAP that the that having more accurate data will mean that better informed decisions are made about the support provided to indi- Indigenous people in the criminal justice system. With more accurate data, we can make better informed decisions on how to support original Aboriginal people in the criminal justice system and established programs to prevent re-offending and reduce incarceration, he said. Bureau of Crime Statistics and Research Executive Director Jackie Fitzgerald agreed that the alarming statistics around incarceration indicated that the New South Wales justice system had a long way to go in improving outcomes for Indigenous people. Ms. Fitzgerald said the information on Indigenous interaction with police and the, and the justice system had de- de- deteriorated over time, and the ability of improved data can assist in the better allocation of resources and efforts. Yeah, I was a bit, when I first read it, I thought, oh, it could be profiling and all things like that, but there are a lot of positives that are highlighted in the article there. Um.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, police will profile people anyway, but this adds, like, a layer of legality to it, which gets, which, as they mentioned, uh, gives them uh, referrals to the Aboriginal Legal Service and assists in data gathering for people who are trying to help Indigenous people who come into contact with the, uh, the so-called justice system. Um, so it seems, in general, positive, positive yeah. news. That's right. So, um, any anything that uh, can be done to those
0: statistics are alarming, aren't they? Forty um, percent of years in detention. That's mm. uh, you know like a, um, you know so much uh, um, more could be done for these people. than, you know young young workers who are um, you know I always think that you know like. They they, they they need um, you know a better system in place where where they've got training education jobs you know uh, um, you know there's just so much to this that you know that could be done but hopefully the statistics are um, you know help out
1: hmm. it, I, in another way it's almost a uh, sort of a, it could be a way to put pressure on the police because if they have to record every time they um interact uh, do something i'm not sure what the exact uh, limit here is for this but every time they interact with an indigenous person then they are probably um in order to keep their statistics down of times they like uh interact unfairly with indigenous people then th- because they have to record that now they might feel some pressure to
2: Absolutely. We should always be monitoring the police, and uh, monitoring the police more is something I'm in favour of.
0: Well, on reading the story, this will pick up things like. I dread to use the word, but but, but more minor things like, you know, beer beer drinking and and things like that where they just issue fines and Mm. um, they don't do arrests and things like that, you know. So it'll bring out a lot of, uh, um, you know, good statistics in that regard. I'm sure a
2: lot of those fines are done unfairly. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So if they have access to legal support that they otherwise wouldn't know about, that could help them... um, Appeal the fines That's and get what's spot fair.
0: on. That is spot on, Calypso, because they, um, yeah, quite quite often. And then you, you know, you, you've got a couple of say misdemeanors. I'm using quotes, the quotation marks, there, comrades. But um, uh, then, then when you know, say something a bit more serious comes up later on, they'll bring all that up they'll bring all that up you know this this is a rat bag who drinks and and does all trespasses mm. and things like that so it affects
2: their whole life and effect, a lot of yeah. these charges these misdemeanors they're given out maliciously yeah not for any reason other than oh i'm going to ruin your day
0: right so uh we, we'll move on we've got some uh, a couple of uh, short stories here that uh, we'll we will um discuss um what was the first oh uh, 4305 represent a huge
1: win at Ipswich Waste. Yes, members at Ipswich Waste have had a huge win this week, voting up their new EA with a 96% yes vote. Yes. Some of the agreement wins include pay increases of 2.75% in the first and second year, 3% on the third year, and 0.5% super increases year-on-year year with back pay. Woo! Woo! We Not love only back that, pay. But they have won 20 days of pandemic leave and 10 days of cultural leave per year, as well as casual, ratio, casual, yeah. casual ratios, meal and on-call allowance increases and leave increases. Hell yeah! This is a huge win for workers at Ipswich Waste and was only possible due to the strength and commitment of members. Right on. Yeah, there's some good numbers in there, but
0: you, you kind of need... The, like, the... The pay increases, you know, we, we've been advocating here on workers' power for at least 3%, right? But when you look at it and you, and you weigh everything up, even though it's only 2.75%, 0.5% super increases year on year with back pay. Hmm. So that you may as well say that they're, they're 3.25% increase. So they are getting above that 3% that, that, that we always say is the bare minimum here on workers' power. But um, me- meal allowances. Now, comrades, you probably be de- haven't um, encountered meal allowances. They're fantastic, you know, right. fantastic. So generally um, in, sa- in-, in-, in agreements, like with the posties, you know, I used to get a meal allowance when I was a postie. You do one, a- and ba- this is you've got to remember this is the early noughties, so these numbers are from the early noughties. When you did an hour of overtime, so you did your normal day, and then you worked an extra hour, you got that hour paid at time and a half. Fine. Mm. Everyone knows that. But you used to get $14.50 meal allowance. Now, the, the reason that the meal allowance is pay, paid is because you, you, you're working extra and you haven't got time to get you know to make your lunch and, and and whatever else so they pay you enough money so that you can go and get a meal buy, buy a meal i'm sure it'd be more now for if there's any posties out there let me know what the meal allowance currently is or if there's any Ipswich waste guys uh, out there or workers out there let let us know uh, what your meal allowance is we'd we'd like to know that uh, but the mealie and the, the big thing with the mealie is tax free Oh, it's tax-free money. So you may as well, you know, if if you're someone who's earning forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, you're going to be paying a marginal rate of about thirty percent. So that fourteen fifty, right? That's about twenty bucks, hmm. you know, a day. If you're, you yeah. know, with posties, that's you pretty could, big. That's that's a big chunk of change, you know, like hundred bucks. Get $100 yourself
2: some, a nice coffee and yeah, some sushi. Yeah.
0: Oh. Yes.
2: It's important to eat on the job?
0: it, it is very important to have a break and uh, you know have something to eat and keep the blood sugar levels up and and all that. So uh yeah, good good on and of course our favorite here on workers power back pay. Mm. That's
1: and, and the thing which I always liked I always like with these things is the l- different kinds of leave, like we've got pandemic leave, which is incredibly important right now, mm-hmm. as well as cultural leave, which is something that we don't, we, that we haven't reported on that much, but mm-hmm. it's like they've won it and it's cool, like yeah. you get to leave for, like a religious
2: holiday regions. maybe?
1: Yeah, or? yeah like yeah, religious could, holidays or like sorry business, yeah, it could be sorry, sorry
0: business, business. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah cultural holidays and Yeah, they're the two main ones that that, that come to my mind, so yeah, that's fantastic, 10 days per
1: year, you know? That's, yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's really good for unions to be winning like all these reasons that we have to not work because like work has taken up so much of our lives that we often barely have time for anything else, uh, and if we want to be able to live full lives that aren't just work, we have to win that.
2: Some things are more important than work. Mm. So uh, great work and
0: great work to the TWU and great work to the members for uh, standing strong and. Uh, and um, you know, campaigning for for that—that uh, that overall, you know, that on on face value, that sounds like a pretty good, uh, uh, some pretty good conditions in there. So good on them, I say. And uh, Oh jeez, you know, I the, you know, I, I leave a, a six pack of beer on top of the uh, on top of my bin on Chrissy because they got to ah. yeah, they're still... yeah, it's too because um, I think. A, Christmas has been falling on Tuesdays because that's when I'll get my bins get done, you know. Mm. So i just chuck a couple of beers up there for them.
2: That's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, no one would be able to live in Ipswich if not for the sanitation team and the sanitation workers in Ipswich. That's right. That they make do, it livable.
0: They do a fantastic job, and they don't miss a beat. I'll tell you what, they, you know, I've been out there, what, 11 years. They have not missed a beat, you know. So... Good on them. I've heard some other areas in Ipswich have have had, you know, you know, a little bit every now and again. But um, for for mine, they haven't missed a beat. And um, yeah, yeah, they do a fantastic job. So uh, good on um, Ipswich uh, Waste Workers. uh, And um, you know, well done on uh, getting a a good EA up. Uh, I hope it doesn't stuff around in the uh, Fair Work Commission for you, and you get that back pay as soon as possible. Right now, we, we, it'd be remiss of us not to discuss uh, the QTU and, and and what's been going on with the uh, e- extended uh, um, year. So, uh, Calypso, you're going to uh, talk us through what happened
2: yesterday. Yesterday, the minister announced that an agreement had been reached with the QTU that will mean that there is no need to extend the school year. This means that the school year will end as gazetted on December nine. Or December two for schools in remote communities in the north and west of the state. This is what a real union does: works to protect the working conditions and the health and safety of its members.
1: Oh yeah!
2: Hell yeah! That's it great. was ridiculous that they were going to have to work an extra week for free.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that was ridiculous. And and look, the 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 main thing that that, that comes up. Um, with, with a lot of the work that, 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 that I do in, in, in um, Retail and Fast Food Workers Union and in other um, areas, I'm sure, and in this occasion, is the complete and utter disregard um, uh, to consult with the workers. Hmm. They just go out, you know, they go, they do a political doorstop, out they go, this is what happened last week. So Grace Grace is out, you know, and the Premier's out there going, oh, we're going to delay the start of the school year you know by by 2 weeks but to make up we're going to extend it by one one week at the end hmm. they did not consult with the workers affected at all which is it's a breach. It's what's it's the,
2: unacceptable. Yeah,
0: well, that's right, you know. So, and it's a, it's a breach of the agreement, you know, because there's a all agreements have got consultation um, rights in in them. I, I, I highly doubt that there's any agreement without it in there. Um, that's part of the, the the thing that you have an agreement, you know, so that you've got the the right to consult and and any changes that happen in in the workplace that affect workers. Must be consulted. Now they didn't consult uh, uh, with with the teachers. I know because there's one at home that was very, very, very upset about that because the teachers. look so, I, I, I see both sides in in, in my house. Uh, I've got teenagers, and and I've got uh, a teacher. When you get to December, they're exhausted, man. Or both of them. They're you know they're they're exhausted, and they don't do much in those last weeks, anyhow. But. Uh, they're just absolutely stuffed from the year and, and, and what they've got to go through, and uh, um, so so yeah, and uh, it, it's um, it, this one is is just them backtracking on 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 them doing the wrong thing. So uh, well done on backtracking, Minister, <laughs> <laughs> and well done to the QTU for standing up for their members and their consulta- consultative. I'm avoiding to say that word, but I got I nearly got it out. Um, rights uh, for workers. So, uh, yes, and and for those that don't know, the delaying of the um, the 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 start of school for two weeks doesn't mean that the teachers are going to be sitting on the couch or, uh, and taking it easy. They've still got to go in, and and also they've got to look after um, essential workers. Um, So, if you're an essential worker, a a, a student with um, essential worker parents, i.e., you know, what's what's essential? Nurse, doctor. Um, teacher,
2: grocery store worker. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, right on. I agree, and uh, you can still send you you, you know your, your kids to school and they they'll do things where they'll, they'll they'll be in the hall. They'll spread them all out and and, and they'll go here, play this game or so. There, there's <laughs> not there won't be all that much learning going on, it's more of a dread. I use the word babysitting service, you know, but uh, but uh, quite essential. For essential workers, you know, who who need to work and they, you know, like, a uh, um, and, and their kids need need to be occupied. So, uh yes. Yeah, so the um the, the school term will start a couple of weeks later. Um, but i just want to say it again. Teachers will be starting on time. You know, so all those uh, Facebook posts where you know and things like that, but ah, oh, bloody teachers, you're out no, of it. No, it doesn't work like that for teachers. So, um. Yeah, uh, good on the QTU. Power. Power. When you turn in to and welcome back to Workers' Power here on 4 Triple Set where you're with Bill... Calypso. And Jackson. Now, we are joined on the line by uh, Jared Arra- Abbott who is uh, part, uh, one of the organisers for uh, um, TWU, and uh, here to talk ap- uh, to us about uh, uh, Sunbus drivers who are up on the Sunshine Coast at, at Cairns. Uh, uh, hello, Jared.
3: How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show.
0: No worries. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, So uh, TWU members, uh, uh, Sunbus members, uh, they're, they're, now they're part of the Kinetic Group, and they, they they started taking uh, industrial action uh, yesterday for 72 hours um i i don't remember you know a, a 72 hour strike but ha- happening um uh, very recently um has, has that happened before
3: yeah um it has been some time and i think over the last couple of years obviously um with a lot of the public discourse kind of changing around uh the COVID pandemic and stuff that workers have been a bit reluctant to actually stand up and kind of um, say that they deserve a bit better. But what we're really seeing all around the Western world now is that workers are seeing that they deserve more. Um, We're seeing that, you know, billionaires are getting richer and richer. Um, The cost of living is becoming um, unreachable for most people. And and people are saying, actually, if we don't stand up and uh, claim some of this for ourselves, we're going to be left behind.
0: That's right. Now, this has been, you know, uh, some would say a protracted uh, negotiations over 10 months, but um, talks uh, broke down recently.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really just the company uh, are digging their heels in the sand and saying they're not going to move anymore. I mean, what they're offering these guys is really pittance. And um, to be honest, you know, what these guys are asking for is... There's pittance too. I mean, you know, the kind of job they do and especially what they've had to face the last couple of years and especially now where you've got COVID quite rampant out in the community, they have very little control over um, the passengers and a lot of people not wearing masks, not following uh, safe guidelines. These drivers are unable to just step off the bus or walk out of their office and get some space. They have to do their job. They're stuck in there. Um, and, and they're just not being rewarded for it. So, you know, I personally think they should be asking for double what they get paid, but they're asking for, you know, literally 3%, which um, to me isn't enough. But, you know, I guess they have to, to be reasonable, too, in, in terms of what they feel comfortable asking for.
0: Yeah, here on Workers' Power, we, we, we uh, talk about 3% as the bare minimum that workers uh, should be getting when, when yeah,
3: I mean, it's, um, you, you know, it's kind of, it's disappointing that, um, you know, that, that people, you know, can't be more ambitious than this. But this is, you know, it's one of the things where you're kind of beaten down by the fact that the company, you know, kind of blame the, the state government and that in terms of how much money they get for their contracts. They obviously don't want to affect their margins and they've got to, you know, make their good sum of money to send back to the um, very uh, fast-growing Canadian pension fund, which owns this business. Um you know, so it's it's really just a case that you've got workers stuck in that systemic um, problem of everything set up in a way that they just don't get their fair share for what they do, which is the core job that this company operates: driving a bus and delivering public services to our to our public.
0: Now, you mentioned public serv; they provide these workers provide you know fantastic public service to the community and um but uh when when the uh the workers uh talked about uh, went on industrial action uh, uh, the 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 bosses replied with a lockout
3: yeah it's really disappointing um but you know i guess we can't really um you know make the decisions for the company for them um i think sometimes you know maybe the motive behind it is um that it's all a little easier for them or um or that they're hoping that will um, upset the public if there's no bus services and that allows them to build a narrative that they can blame these workers. But I think more and more you're kind of seeing public opinion now where, where people realise that workers aren't getting a fair share and they actually they actually respect that when workers take action like this, it progresses things not just for them but for all of society um, and that we shouldn't be ashamed to exercise our human right to take strike action, um, as as many people do around the world. and. Um, as is the reason why we have a lot of the benefits
0: for workers that we have today. We've got a a saying that we use quite often here on uh, workers power and that is a rising tide lifts all ships Um, so you know all all workers uh, you know benefits to all. Now so uh, uh, um, has uh, Sunbus or the Kinetic Group uh, have they reached out to, to, to workers or to the union yet?
3: no they haven't yet um we have made it real clear that we're going to be open to sit down with them um obviously our our role is to is to try and work with people to get to where we need to get to and um and we'll play that role but um at this stage i think they're just um You know, staying quiet and hoping that um, people will be disillusioned once it's over. But you know, I spent many hours on the picket line yesterday, and um, my reading of it is is that if if they don't get back to the table, they're only going to see a large escalation in terms of what people are willing to do. I think these guys are really fed up, and you know, to go through all the stuff that they've gone through in the last year, and you know, tensions have been really high um, towards bus drivers um, recently. Um, I I had endless stories of. People um, that had suffered uh, abuse or assaults and um, like that on the buses, um, and then to, to go into pay negotiations and being offered a measly one point seven five percent, I think it's just insulting.
0: You're right. One point seven five is an insult. So uh, you know they could, they could do better. I bet I bet you that, you know there's plenty of profits you know associated with this. Otherwise, big uh, big super funds wouldn't be involved. Um,
3: That's right. I mean, you see these um, bus services, wherever um, governments or councils around the world privatise these bus services, they, they just get acquired by these, these same big overseas businesses. You know, I've spent many years in New Zealand um, organising bus uh, drivers and stuff too, and it's the same problem there. You, you have all, this, um, all these big companies coming in, they see an easy profit, it's guaranteed income for them, guaranteed patronage, um, you know, like a uh, same way it operates over here in terms of that the actual income from um, the patronage goes largely to the um state rather than to the company the company gets paid whether there's one person on a bus or no one on a bus. so it's just such an easy service for these um these these big investment funds and private equity companies to come in and um, skim off the top of, and it's really sad because at the end of the day it it should be our public transport. I mean. You know, it's vital for a city that um, people can get around, not just vulnerable people, but also for workers and stuff like that. It adds to the productivity of the city and then um, all of the other benefits too for um, tourists and things like that also.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's what my next question, you nearly answered it. It'd be, you know, in places like Sunshine Coast and, and, and also up in Cairns, this would be vital for workers and, and the vulnerable, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course it is. I mean, um, you know, there's a there's a reason why um, a lot of um, cities around the world are investing in public transport and taking them back into public ownership, and it's just because it has so many benefits. I mean, it gets people to work, it gets people to school, um, it gets the vulnerable uh, people that don't have access to vehicles and stuff, um, to their hospital appointments and all that kind of stuff. But also on top of that, um, you, you know, you've got the, the tourists take in and obviously the benefits of... Um, you know uh, the impact on the environment and climate change and stuff in terms of getting cars off the road, um, and I'm sure most people, even if if, if you are wed to your car, um, the preference is that the more people that can be in a bus, the the less time you're going to spend in traffic too.
0: Well, that's right. The the, the best uh, way to uh, deal with congestion isn't to build more roads; it's to uh, provide better public transport.
3: Yeah, that's right. And and the solution to having a good public transport system is is really quite simple. It's you've you've got to have a um, system that serves the public. You've got to have a system that's attractive for drivers to want to be a part of. Um, and if you get those two things right, then um, you're away. But um, obviously, you know, when when you've got um, companies coming in and basically skimming off the top, you've got low wages, you've got uh, low ball wage offers and workers on strike you're just not delivering any of those um, requirements of what a good public transport system looks like
0: Right on, and, and so workers are out on the grass, uh, at the sunshine uh, I was so tempted for a road trip yesterday when I seen the article coming up, but uh, it was a bit tough, you know, travelling from Ipswich but uh, I was um, you know, trying to show solidarity where I could um and so uh, are the workers out on the grass up at the sunshine coast
3: yeah that's right um the uh the weather's been been pretty hot um we were up in keynes yesterday and um and some people uh were in sunshine coast and they switched it around today so i think they're just doing a couple of hours each day with the um with everyone being locked out and the gates shut there's not really a huge need to um make everyone suffer in the sun all day long but um you know, they're getting out and um, making sure that they're, they're getting seen uh, for a few hours each day and um, and then spending a bit of time uh, probably uh, with their families and that where they can. Because um, in reality, with all of the people sick from COVID at the moment, um, the amount of staff shortages and the fact that they're short on drivers, um, regardless of the COVID pandemic, um, really means that a lot of people have been doing long hours. So I guess they're, they're trying to make the most of their 72 hours. Yeah,
0: you'd spend time with family. Right on. Well, well um, is there anything um, that uh, I haven't asked or, or, or we haven't brought up that you'd like to uh, bring up?
3: No, I think it's. I think it's been a, um, a, a really good chat with you and I um, really appreciate the support you've given and obviously all of the support from the public. So, um, you know, anyone who's listening that wants to support these guys, even just... Um, you know jump on our facebook page and share some of the posts and and show some love and let them know so that when they when they have a look at it they know that the public are behind them and that's the kind of stuff that um gives them the motivation to 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 keep fighting for what they deserve
0: right on well you you let you let the uh workers know from uh the workers power team that we're we're standing in solidarity uh, uh with you over the radio and over the internet and uh and uh one day longer one day stronger
3: Awesome, mate. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much for coming on, Jared.
3: All good. Cheers. See ya.
0: Righto, that was a pretty good interview. Well spoken. Yeah, yeah. You did a great interview there. So uh, that was fantastic. I use
2: public transport all the time. And it's really sad to know that these drivers that are getting me everywhere I need to go are not seeing any benefits from the hard work they put in. And all of my go-card money is is not going to where it should.
0: That's right. It should be going to the workers, you know. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. It's a tough gig being... Like, I, like I, I wasn't a bus driver, but I, I was a driver before. It it's is exhausting. A, it is a tough gig. It's mentally exhausting and physically exhausting. You know, they're big wheels, those things, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it, even with, um, you know, modern power steering, it's still... A physically demanding job but also a very mentally demanding job you know dealing with the dealing with the other road users so um you know like uh, jared said we can stand in solidarity in many ways you know like uh, you know share on facebook and but also there's, there's other ways when you're out on the road you can be kind to to bus drivers and just remember that there's 50 people on that bus um you know so give way to them and um you know there, there, there's i'm sure th- this used to happen with with, with uh, truck drivers or when i was doing it and i'm talking with other truck drivers i'm sure it happens with with bus drivers where no one wants to sit behind a bus hmm. and so they'll overtake then slow down hmm. it's 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 chronic it's shocking So there's there's many ways that, that as workers, that we can stand in solidarity. And and one of those is, uh, yeah, being a little bit kinder on the roads, you know, and um, give give way when the buses are pulling out. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Uh, you know, just be a, a, a good worker standing in solidarity with others. okay well we, we better move on with with some workers action and uh, th- this one um, this one is 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 all workers this affects all workers and uh, the unions have threatened to stop work unless omicron safety measures improved and and this has come from Benjamin press uh, Prius, uh from the Sydney Morning Herald it's being uh, reported a- a- around the traps and I I even seen Sally McManus... Um, I think she was on, like, one of the morning uh, TV shows, uh, mainstream um, media TV shows, so it's out and about, so, uh, yeah, uh,
1: Jackson. Yes. Unions have warned that employees will go on strike if their bosses do not provide enough protection from the fast-spreading Omicron variant as tensions mount over the response to the virus. But the National Employer Association has accused the unions of inflaming the situation, saying businesses could not afford limitless tests and threats of work stoppages were not appropriate when employers were already struggling to preserve jobs. The union movement is demanding urgent Omicron risk assessments, free rapid antigen tests and N95 masks, and upgraded safety protections as COVID-19 continues playing havoc with supply chains of essential items, including food. ACTU Secretary Sally McManus said unions would write to all employers reminding them of their obligations to take all reasonable steps to keep workers safe. She said employers should provide rapid antigen tests when they become available for their workers. Employers will need to pay for and provide those in most workplaces where workers cannot work from home. Speaking after an emergency meeting of 30 unions on Monday, Ms McManus said employers would also need to source N95 miles for workers. For those employers who will not work with us to make workplaces safe, the union movement will do what is necessary up to and including ceasing work in order to keep workplaces safe. The ACTU insists workers have the right to cease work where there is a serious risk to health and safety. However, on Monday, Ms. Gerenice said many employers were taking steps to keep their workforce safe. She accused Prime Minister Scott Morrison of refusing to respond to unions' demands, which included provision of free rapid tests earlier on monday morning mr morrison defended his government's handling of test procurement saying it began buying rats in august Uh, to quote the rapid antigen tests are in short supply all around the world this is not something that is unique to Australia going through it. It's part of dealing with Omicron," he told Sydney Radio 2GB. However, (coughs) in preparation for the emergence of new variants, Singapore sent rapid antigen tests to every home for free in August last year and provided street vending machines with extra tests if needed, as did Hong Kong and Japan. Adelaide University employment law expert Andrew Stewart said it may be illegal to stop work if they were Place presented an imminent risk to an employee's health and safety and there was no alternative work that could be done that's a very na- narrow situation he said yes it's there it's narrow but it's there yeah it's definitely there
0: it's definitely there and um it highlights the importance uh, of having a health and safety representative in your workplace mm. um now there's a lot and and and, and we know in uh, retail and fast food that there's there's not a lot of HSRs uh, being appointed. Uh, the the big The big bosses they don't like them at all. They don't like the
2: no because they want you to work regardless of if you're sick or not. You have COVID, they don't care. They want you to work. They want you to make them money.
0: That's right. This is this is, you know what's going especially what's going on in the supermarkets. Uh, I've been um, holding back a, a lot, but I think it's now it's time to let go. I think that uh, with uh, especially Coles and Woolworths. They haven't got a supply problem. Hmm. They've got a profit problem. They're not making profits like they want to, you know. And uh, uh, w- one of the things that that, that I've, I've been noticing is I shop local. I shop small business. Um, uh, just just because they, you know, it's a, a little bit better for the community and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I haven't had any problems at all. I haven't had any supply issues. No problems getting getting meat. No problems getting fresh produce from 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 uh, my local supplier. Um, so, uh, but uh, with uh, when when it comes to Coles and Woolworths, they've got their supply lines all, already set up, ready to go, and that's where the profit comes from. They don't want to have to go to the markets to buy more because they lose their profit margins. Mm. So they would prefer to have bare shelves than to give up their profit margins. And that's there's a bit of that actually going on. Yes, there are some su- supply issues. I'm probably being a little bit uh, heavy-handed, um, as I do here on workers' power. But uh, um, you, you, the Coles and woolies, you, you, they, they're not. Uh, and and we heard with Woolworths how uh, they they they've now backtracked. There, there was a um, abattoir in Adelaide, Tays T E Y S, who were. Um, getting their work... Uh, they wanted their workers who had tested positive to still come into work, who had COVID. They still wanted them to come oh, into work geez. because it was an essential service. Mm. Like but they're starting to do with uh, some... Um, they're starting to do that in, in some health areas and things like that. Where they just mask them up. And, and, and at Taze, they what they were doing was they were giving them different coloured hairnets so that you could tell who had COVID. <laughs>
2: oh, my God. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. They have so little respect for not just their workers, but for the communities that they just... they just... Yeah, you, you're giving everyone COVID. And these workers, they're not in a situation where they can even, like, refuse to go into work because they need that money. And these bosses are forcing them, and it's ridiculous. And all their other workers are going to get COVID too, but they don't care. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah,
0: it's 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 a disgrace. But it's been backflipped now, and a Woolworths have uh, have backflipped and said that they they don't want Tays to be doing that, and uh, um, you know, which you know is all a PR exercise. You know, in the in the boardrooms of Woolworths, I bet you they're they're furious because they're missing out on all that profit that that all that product would give them. Oh, boo. Boo hoo indeed. And uh, what, see, what's going on, especially if you look at the meat and the poultry industries, right? The, the, the Coles and Woolworths, they rely heavily on one or two suppliers, right? So if that one supplier goes out, boom, there's no product. Where if you go to a, a small business like, like my local butcher, he goes through a few different avenues where where he gets his pro- sources his product, you know. So therefore, if one's out, he goes to the other, and that's what what's happened in big business. They've got these huge um, factories, you know, with uh, the, the, that um, you know create monopolies for themselves, and then when something goes wrong with our business, all of a sudden the supply lines dry up and you know we we, we we you know everyone's hoarding mince mince is the one that that, that, that seems to be i know you two you, you don't eat meat too much but um so you wouldn't you know pick it up but uh, yeah mince is the one that you know for some bizarre reason uh, that it's it's the first to go and uh, it's always running out you know so um yeah but um i'm happy to say it. well i'm not i'm, I'm Glad to say that in my house we, we, we've been doing okay because, uh, um, yeah, the local suppliers have, have, have looked after us, right? Oh, uh,
1: well, when it comes to this story, I am it's very exciting for me because it looks a bit like a general strike, it does, it looks a bit general, it's, it's got a bit of a general strike vibe, um, and like it also points out that there's a huge opportunity for unions here to actually make like a huge impact on what like with the direction this country is going um if they take the chance to seize it if they take the chance to go on strike and get health measures and protect us from, like the, the government's not going to impose a lockdown so or any sort of safety measures and work so if the unions take the opportunity to do that themselves go on strike and force that to happen then they could like really like change their standing in like the in, in the political situation we have here.
2: That's right. We have the power, and we could set up protections for the next big pandemic that happens.
1: And it's really important, like as that as workers, that we're pr- pressuring the unions ourselves to do this sort of stuff because, in general, the unions they 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 tend to. Um, shy away from radical action but if we have pressure coming from the bottom for this sort of thing then we they, we can't be ignored
2: it's our responsibility to hold the unions accountable and make sure that they're representing what we want mm.
0: that's right right on well um we've got a bit of feedback awesome thanks brad and uh, brad has said our uh, bosses don't care well <laughs> you yeah.
2: go absolutely right
0: wage, well said wage I, I like this quote wages are maintenance cost to them
2: Literally, that
0: that is a really good quote. That one, thank you, Brad. And if a machine's broken, they still try and use it. <laughs> oh my god!
2: Oh my god! Literally, Brad, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and then they go on and they treat human uh, humans like machines. Mm. Humans break sometimes too, and they still want us to work, don't they?
2: Mm. Oh, I've got some some horror stories. I had a co-worker at um. Uh, employer that I'm not going to name who was forced to work while there was glass in her feet. She had a medical certificate that she got from the doctor that day to say, there's glass in my feet, I can't work. And they said, no, you're still working.
0: For, for shame. Literally. For shame, yeah. Some, some of the stories we're, we're hearing where, where, you know, like someone's partner or daughter um, or close, close relative has um has contracted COVID, but the bosses are saying no no have you got a positive pcr test no oh well you still got to come into work
2: i'll just turn it off and on again
0: yeah 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 so uh <laughs> it's good to good to see that uh you know the um the union movement are uh are standing up and and fighting back and uh let's hope this uh, rhetoric uh, continues and uh they they organise a general strike. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Mm. I, I think
1: that,
0: that would be huge. That would be. I, I think a great, a great opportunity for an. Out, we, we'd be definitely be doing a, an outdoor broadcast for that. Mm. Uh, we'd be we'd be going to that. We we would be there. So uh, we will try to um, keep an eye on this story, and uh, hopefully next week we'll be. Uh, Well, hopefully next week we'll be reporting on how all bosses are looking after their workers. (laughs) (laughs) But I highly doubt it. So hopefully we'll be reporting on how the ACTU are calling a general strike. Yes. All right, we better move on. Um, We've got another story here. Oh, they, they... uh, we've been reporting a fair bit on this uh, lately so uh, but My uh, boy patrick
2: terminals <laughs> patrick
0: terminals are set to sabotage australian supply chain at worst possible moment
2: Amidst the ongoing COVID pandemic and the greatest supply chain crunch Australia has ever seen, Patrick Terminals is willing to throw a spanner in the works for Australian port operations by cancelling their entire workforce's employment agreement and forcing an unprecedented return to the basic award. This would have a catastrophic impact on shifts, productivity and put an end to 24-hour operations at Patrick's Terminals in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne and Perth. The Maritime Union of Australia is appalled by these threats as they would see Australian supply chains grind to a halt and the flow of vital household goods evaporate in an instant. The MUA has concluded enterprise agreements with the entire Steve During, uh industry apart from Patrick terminals who are willing to hold their workforce and the Australian community hostage as they seek to gouge greater profits the union is not seeking anything more from Patrick than what has already been agreed to by other Steve during companies. Against a backdrop of sustained lies and vilification of their own workforce in the lead up to Christmas, the Steve Dering Company is pushing ahead with its application before the Fair Work Commission to force its entire workforce onto the basic award. The current employment agreement provides penalty rates, shift allowances and overtime provisions to enable 24-hour, 7-day operations at container terminals around the country to ensure Australian imports and exports keep moving at all hours of the day or night. The basic award would force workers and the Steve During Company to observe traditional 35-hour work weeks during ordinary business hours, which would more than halve the the capacity of Patrick Terminal's national operations. To quote, this would be the ultimate example of cutting off your nose to spite your face. The Australian community cannot tolerate this kind of belligerent, aggressive and reckless approach to the industrial relations at this critical times, Mr Cumberland said. If Patrick terminals are successful in their application to abolish the existing enterprise bargaining agreement, they will obliterate their own operational capacity by 80% at a time when the workforce is already impacted by COVID-19 isolation requirements and severe global supply chain bottlenecks. The MUA is seeking nothing more than job security around hours of work and rosters, guaranteed pathways to permanent jobs, and the same wage outcomes as other Australian steve during workforces consistent with the rest of the industry. This provides for stability within the workforce and guaranteed productivity. This comes in a context of record profits for Patrick Terminal's parent company and shareholders during the preceding 12 months, massive executive bonuses and new or expanded contracts signed by major shipping clients despite the COVID-19 pandemic and the implementation of significant and lasting workplace biosecurity protocols that keep Steve during workers safe and mitigate the risk of virus transmission at Australia's international seaports. On the 6th of January... Patrick Terminals also updated their pricing structure for international shipping clients with landslide import container tariffs at some ports increasing by 20%. Ordinary Australians should be disgusted to learn that a rogue Steve Durin company is trying to gouge customers and businesses with one hand while ripping off their own employees with the other, Mr Crumlin said. Likewise, the stock market will be horrified by the actions of the board and the revenue impact for Patrick Terminal's parent companies, Cube and Brookfield, with a potential of 80% reduction in operating capacity. This will obviously have a significant impact on shareholder value and dividend payments if managers' threats are carried through. It would also bring into focus uh, Cube and Brookfield's ESG values, environmental, social and governance measures, and could prompt ethical investors to divest from the company. In a recent submission to the Fair Work Commission, Patrick Terminals have indicated that they would consider mass sackings of workers who refuse to work night shift or on weekends at reduced rates of pay, which would be the case in a return uh, which would be the case in a return to the award. This comes at the same time as the supply chain is under tremendous duress as workers isolate and miss shifts due to covid exposure. The cumulative impact would be absolutely devastating. Australian supply chains would grind to a halt, with ships sitting alongside the wharf for weeks at a time, waiting to be worked, while Patrick Terminal's management pursues its own self-interest, Mr Crumlin said. The buying of a loyal workforce that has already proven its commitment to their employer would not pass muster at any other Australian company and this conduct doesn't provide the certainty that Australia needs during an international supply chain crisis, Mr Crumlin said. Patrick Terminals cannot with any credibility tell any shipping company that they can service their vessels quickly or effectively until the court case which they've initiated and which begins on Monday 17th January in the Fair Work Commission is resolved. The Fair Work Commission should send Patrick Terminals back to the negotiating table where this issue must be resolved. Can you believe this?
3: Yeah. Mm. What
2: the hell?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think the, qu- the the most apt quote in there is they're uh, cutting off the nose to spite their face.
1: Yeah, the audacity to just shut down your terminals, basically, or, like, decrease their, their capacity by 50% during a huge supply chain crisis is massive and... Like I don't, it doesn't really make any sense. What are they doing? <laughs> well, well, we
2: we know Patrick Terminals loves to terminate. We know last time last time we spoke about Patrick Terminals is because Patrick was Patrick terminating uh, the employment of a lot of their employees. Oh, yeah. But now Patrick's terminating the supply chain. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah the, the, they definitely are they're terminating the supply chain at their ports and uh worsening <laughs> supply chain crisis for everyone and um yeah that's that's what they're doing uh, the, the union trying to keep everything going but uh, while also getting what they deserve but th- this company is just
2: stu- terminally stupid yeah <laughs>
0: Yes, and, and look, the Patrick's are, are, are no um, strangers to uh, union busting and 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 um, deteriorating workers' rights, and uh, there was a, a quite uh, a significant um, a dispute uh, um, a Patrick's in the 90s I think it was, during John Howard's term, and uh, yeah, so they've got form in this area, you know, and They've got such a disregard to their workforce. Now, Brad's also... Brad's uh, come in with more feedback. Yes, more Brad. More Brad. So Brad says, Didn't Marx say at some point Mm -hmm. that capitalism had to kill itself from time to time to maintain its supremacy? Kind of sounds a little like this. It
2: does. It does. It sounds exactly (laughs) like what's going on with this Patrick Terminal situation, hey? Good
0: good observation there, Brad, and... uh, yeah, we know our, our buddy Marks, is, our comrade Marx, has got uh, plenty of things that, uh, to say about the current system that he said 150 years ago, which is uh, you know, quite astute, you know. So, uh, yes, thank you, Brad. And, uh, yeah, we, we will keep a, 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 an eye on that, you know, uh, solidarity to, to all Patrick's uh, workers, uh, uh, one day longer, one day stronger. And um, also, you know, good work to the MUA standing up and fighting back. MUA, here to stay. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try and... Uh, that's in the Fair Work Commission yesterday, and it's probably still, you know, it's uh, I haven't seen anything come out, come out yet, anything published. So as soon as we, we find something, as soon as we find more news, we will be sure to let you know. Right on, so uh, we we shall move on to international workers action and We've got um, a story coming from Turkey, Jackson. Can you? There's a, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> words in there that I think that you, you you're you you the you the the comrade for the job. So could yeah. you talk us through that?
1: I'll give it my best shot, but I have not researched any of these pronunciations, so my bad. Um, wildcat strike at Simsatas defies company, Turkish police, and unions. The wildcat strike of metal workers at the Simsatos factory in Mersin has continued since Wednesday, defying efforts to end the strike by the company, the state and the burlesic Metal Is Union. Uh, hundreds of workers stopped production on Wednesday, rejecting a sellout contract between the Turkish Employers Association of Metal Industries and three unions representing approximately 150,000 workers. Simsatos workers received m- many supportive messages on social media from other workers across Turkey. Healthcare workers protesting their insufficient wages in Mersin said, uh, to quote, We are with the Simsatis workers, while Uga Textile and Ozak Textil Textile workers in, uh, in a place posted a video stating we salute their resistance. Workers whom police evacuated from the workplace on Thursday are continuing their struggle in front of the factory, while many drivers passing by on the highway, sound their horn to support the strikers, they chanted, No work and no bread, no peace, and occupation, strike, resistance. As President Erdogan's government has long ignored the constitutional right to assemble and demonstrate, police told the workers, "Go Go and get your legal permissions. You are now in a public place, and it is in our jurisdiction. A worker replied, Am I not the public, or am I not a citizen? The... Workers did not leave the front of the factory despite threats of assault and detention. The workers who did not take a step back in the face of the threat of the state now face threats of dismissal from the company. Twenty-five workers were notified via mobile phone message that they were dismissed without compensation. For shame. In response, the metal workers declared that the wildcat strike would continue until those sacked were reinstated. The Bilesic Metalist Union, affiliated to DISK, then issued a statement sharply criticizing the metal workers, targeting the striking workers and their supporters. In the statement, it denounced unidentified persons, foreign to metal workers, unaware of the union struggle and the difficulties of the contract process, who it said were in discussion with and affecting the strikers. The union statement hailed a raise in the average wage of 6,025 Turkish lira as of September 1st last year as a great success. In fact, Turkey's main trade union confederation reported that the poverty line for a family of four rose to 13,070 lira in December 2021, and the real annual inflation exceeded 80%. This shows that the contract Bellesic Metal is, is boasting about in fact reduces workers to poverty. The union also claimed this contract, which was concluded for approximately 11,000 members in 44 factories affiliated with 33 enterprises, was highly welcomed in the sector and among our members. The the reality is is exactly the opposite. While very few workers who were actually union officials supported the so-called victory tours of the unions in the factories, workers from all unions protested on social media. A worker from the Demisus factory in Bilicik summarized this situation on the Metalworkers Association's Facebook page. In all factories, no one is satisfied except the union lackeys. Union claims that workers welcomed the contract with enthusiasm is a lie. Even the critical comments made under the social media posts are deleted by unions. A worker from the Mercedes factory in Istanbul stated, Nobody at the factory is satisfied with the contract. Everyone grumbles, but no pain, no gain. We have to stop waiting and take action. Well, Esik Metal lies in its statement saying, The whole process from draft preparation to negotiations from strike... Decisions to sign the contract was carried out with high member participation on a level found in very few unions taking account the common demands of the factories. Last summer three unions announced their draft contracts and demanded just under a 30% raise for the first six months. The surging inflation in the following months and the depreciation of the Turkish lira led metalworkers to demand a revision in the draft contracts. However, the unions refused this demand. Moreover, none of the unions, including Velasic Belis- Belis- Meselisk, put the contract to a vote or received workers' approval. A striker said that supposedly the contract was not signed without asking workers but Metal Metalist Union to which we are affiliated accepted an increase of 27% without asking us and signed the contract we told our union that they should do, that they should not do such a thing and we did not accept it continued in response we decided to rally and walk out they said it was not legal we know that what will happen to us whatever the cost we intend to last out Stating that the union sold out to the workers, he concluded, "No union." So, stating that the union sold out the workers, he concluded, "No union stands behind workers." As you can see, we are alone here now. There are no unions here. After this time, we do not recognize the unions that signed the contract by ignoring us. They shouldn't have done this. The union sold out the workers. The workers state their basic demands in going on a wildcat strike are a decent wage, healthy work and living conditions. Unrestrainingly exploited in dangerous conditions during the COVID-19 pandemic, they are fighting back against the capitalist politics of mass infection and death. The Balesic Metalist statement also rejects the simsatus workers' demands as unacceptable, declaring, "In Mersin, simsatus one cannot bring a new contract to the agenda by refusing the signed group contract agreement based on some workplace-specific demands. This violates the current group contract order and union functioning. While the union claims the fact that some circles created different expectations and perceptions on our members is an effort to pit our members against the union, the workers and the union are objectively on opposite sides of the barricade. Yeah, so Mm. this is is an interesting one because... um, uh, to be clear, this story was written by the World Socialist Website, uh, who ha- who do not uh, or who are not in favour of unions as a way of fighting back. Uh, so it has a bit of a, a slant to it. Um, and yeah, d- oh, when you were reading that, I thought well, this sounds
0: like it's from WSWS. <laughs> it, it is,
1: yeah. Um, uh, but that
0: said, look, that said, look here yeah. on Workers Power, we we don't hold back in criticising unions. Yeah. Um, so you know, like and,
2: and, this and union failed its workers. Yeah,
1: yeah, it has. You if, know? if the workers, if there was a wildcat strike, then there is something wrong with the union. There.
0: Yeah, right. And 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 he, uh, during the story, there were there were signing agreements uh, without consulting mm. the workers
1: and it's like the, the if the union's supposed to represent the workers that's like the one that's like the one job they have consulting workers and acting on their behalf
2: and this agreement they signed is poverty levels yeah is is the poverty line these workers don't want to be in poverty that's not much to fucking ask
0: well it's it's um it's such a a, a difficult thing with such high inflation there as well mm. you know that that's one of the um, the 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 things that um, you know, shine out of the story for me is, is those high rates of inflation
1: that, yeah, that, that are discussed in December twenty one. The real inflation, annual inflation, exceeded eighty percent.
0: That's right, mm. you know. So a thirty percent pay rise is is going backwards.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and w- w- we talk about much smaller uh, numbers here in Australia, but. Uh, you know like uh, as we say anything less than three percent you're going backwards you know really um, where you know they' they're much uh, bigger numbers um, over there in Turkey so hopefully um, you know there, there's some uh, there's some um, you know markings of the the beginning of a revolution there one would one would suspect mm. hey right be, before we discuss the the next thing um we've got more feedback from Brad oh yeah Thanks, Brad. We, we, we <laughs> Brad has said Brad. Brad has said that this is quickly becoming my favourite show on the station. Great work. Thank you, Brad. We're glad thank, to have you listening. Thank you, a Brad, Brad, and thank you for your contribution on today's show. Uh, uh, they've been wonderful and uh, quite apt and uh, acute. So uh, well done, Brad. I hope you keep listening in, and uh, um, yeah, and and keep keep that feedback coming. Um, yeah, if you're a subscriber, yeah. We we love freeback Now there's also another story. It's a bit. Oh, we may have reported. I, I vaguely remember it, but you know, uh, if we have, it's so funny. I think that we should do it again anyhow. Yeah, I don't think we have this one. So four beekeepers detained in protest at Chilean capital, and police stung. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Santiago. This is uh, from January three. It's a Reuters story. Her four beekeepers were detained after protesting in front of Chile's presidential palace in Santiago on Monday, according to local officials, with seven police officers stung during the demonstrations. Yeah. (laughs) Honey production has been hurt by a long-term drought in Chile that has withered the bees' food sources such as flowers and crops. While drought is not uncommon in Chile... The current mega drought has persisted since 2010. Well, that's a long time. And climate change is at least partly to blame, scientists say. The beekeepers want government to reform the beekeepers want government reform to improve honey prices or to provide subsidies to honey producers. They have asked to meet with uh, with the president. The beekeepers set around 60 beehives, which contained an estimated 10,000 bees on the avenue in front of the palace. One of the beekeepers, Jose Atura, told local reporters that the drought in in the Colonia commune north of Santiago was killing the local bee population. Bees are dying, Atura said. There would be no life if the bees dies. That's why we want to highlight with this demonstration. A representative for the Ministry of Agriculture in the Santiago region said the agency was also concerned about the effect of the drought was having on bees. The government has been providing aid for months to 20 communities experience severe water surges shortages. Uh, the regional agriculture secretary told uh, reporters. Some passers-by were alarmed by the the risk the bees pose to the public. It's dangerous for the people who are allergic to bees because they can cause death, one local said. Seven national police officers called carabiners were stung trying to arrest the beekeepers and move the beehives out of the street. Police officials said, and were taken to hospital with a, with a bee sting. Droughts and rising temperatures from climate change have affected bee population worldwide. A 2020 study published in the journal Science found that populations fell by around 50% in North America and 17% in Europe in one generation. Solidarity with our bees. I, I thought you guys <laughs> those were, bees are showing solidarities with the workers. That's right, you know. So I thought I thought that that, uh, that uh, listeners and, and you two would would, would quite like that uh, industrial action of bringing the bees along, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, is As,
2: that, it's uh, funny that. Insects can have more of a sense of solidarity than our politicians.
0: <laughs> they, could, you know, they should nearly rename the um, type, type of uh, give that the, the um, bees a nickname. They could be called the ACAB breed of bees.
1: Yeah,
2: I would. I would vote a bee. Yeah. I would vote for a bee. I would vote for a bee <laughs> over the current politicians. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just, I just
0: thought it read so well that the. You know the, the the bees were standing in solidarity with with, with their with their farmers. They know what's up. They know what's up and sting those nasty coppers, right? oh uh, well, that that even though it was a serious story, it was a bit of fun. So, uh yeah, yeah, great story for us here on Workers' Power. All right, so uh, oh, we've got uh, we've got a few minutes left to uh, to talk about the Scallywag of the week. Now, I, I, I've seen a. a, a a story that uh, you know really got under my goat, and uh, and I, uh, you know, I, I just had to bring it up. And um, it, it was um, talking about uh, McDonald's CEO, Chris
2: Kempchinsky.
0: Kempchinsky said McDonald's workers didn't need a union, and that younger employees will eventually view unions as too restrictive. <laughs> In of all places, a Wall Street Journal article this
1: week. Wow, the Wall Street Journal, going against unions. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? You know, claiming that claiming that young workers don't
0: want unions. (laughs) <laughs> but reality begs to differ.
2: Oh, my God, so out of touch.
0: So out of touch. Now, you, you've heard us, uh, you know, we, we've reported a fair bit on, on what, what's happening uh, uh, over in the United States, you know, Starbucks, McDonald's and other chains over there, you know, where, where workers are standing back and, 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 and uh, standing up and fighting back. And they're, they're, they've got a campaign now, and we, we've mentioned it a few times, they're fighting for $15 an hour. You know, well, some, some, oh, I've seen in in the comments from, from this article, I've seen that uh, someone said, oh, well, maybe we should be fighting for 25 mm. I agree yeah, with $15 that.
2: $15 an hour is nothing. And most of these workers are skipping their breaks.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 yeah there, there, there's uh, mass exploitation in the. Uh, um, you know the the service industries uh, over in uh, in in the United States, and it's capitalism gone rife, and and uh, and, and uh, so yeah, yes. Yeah, so, oh look, we, we we've got some uh, uh, feedback from Brad, who's a young worker who's been in three different unions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've been enjoying your feedback today, Brad, and uh, um, you first joined the union in '16. So uh, um, yeah. Uh, Shout out to Brad, and uh, who's a, Brad. A, an anarcho-socialist and very in favour of unions.
2: I love to hear but that. But
0: also understands that sometimes unions don't advocate the best for the entire community and uh, Brad used the a uh, great example of the U.S. police unions. You know, uh, <laughs> they don't uh, they're, have. They're, they're
1: barely.
2: That's people. a very nuanced response, Brad. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, we, we've uh, we've actually in really really enjoyed your feedback today, Brad. And uh, um, so so thank you. Um, uh, and uh, but uh, you know, back to uh, McDonald's and, and this uh, you know.
2: See the boss. problem here is is Christopher Kepchinski thinks that young people are stupid. (laughs) Uh, Christopher Kemchinski is so out of touch by claiming that young workers think unions are restrictive. Christopher thinks that young people are stupid, but young people are not stupid. And to that I say, Christopher Kempchinski, more like criminal Kempchinski.
0: Yes, yes. And um yeah so uh you know big our scallywag of the week is the McDonald's CEO Chris Kammchinski. Okay well um that that's about all we've got we've got we got time enough for a, for a little bit of an outro and then one one more more song and oh, I've actually picked a song that reminds me of you know one of, one of the uh, things that I do to help her out around here at uh, four troopopers Ed is I, so I take out the bins every Tuesday. So I've got Tony Hawk. I've got a great track that I'll play in a couple of minutes, Take Out Your Bins. So I put that there as a reminder for myself from our <laughs> comrades, Tony Hawk.
2: Before we go, yeah. do I have time to do a quick little uh, announcement for APN? Yes, you do. So for the Anti-Poverty Network at the moment, we're going to be doing an online event where we will try to help people with Centrelink claims. So at the moment, there's a pandemic disaster leave payment that some people are accessible to. They kind of announced this very quietly, so not everyone knows about this. But if you um, qualify for this $750 payment and you, you want to get it, maybe you should contact the Anti-Poverty Network Queensland on Facebook and we can try and sort that out for you. So you might qualify for this payment if you've had to self-isolate or quarantine due to COVID-19 or if you're caring for someone who has had to self-isolate or quarantine due to COVID-19. So this counts if you've had the coronavirus or a close contact of a person who has a coronavirus or you've had to care for a child who is 16 or under who's had the COVID uh, virus or someone with a disability or severe medical condition who's had to self-isolate because they have a close contact with a person with COVID-19. So the infectious period is up to 14 days. So you could be eligible for that payment for that uh, period of time. So if you've lost at least eight hours or a full day's work due to COVID, and or you have liquid assets of less than $10,000 on the first day of the period you're claiming for, you could potentially get a $750 payment.
0: That's, yeah. That's a great initiative. I noticed that. I missed last night's meeting, but I, I did read the minutes, and um, yeah, that's a fantastic uh, initiative from the yeah. A lot of casual Network workers and, will
2: be missing yeah, payments and, uh, right now.
0: E- even if you don't know, and you you need to ask questions, you know, you can send them through to the Anti Poverty Network uh, Queensland's uh, Facebook page. Just shoot a message, or or there's contact numbers on there as well, and uh, and get in touch, and uh, you know the the crew will be more than happy to help you help workers out. And, um, and uh, as you mentioned, there's going to be a well training session or, a, or or an information session on on how workers can can make those claims, which is a fantastic mutual aid um, I- I- initiative uh, from the Anti Poverty Network, Queensland. Great work! I'm glad you put that in there. We squeezed that mm. in right at the end. All right, we better go. Well, that's a great show. Um, uh, thanks for listening in. Thanks to Brad for their feedback. Yes. Um, Tune in next week, Brad. Uh, thanks to uh, J- now it was Jared from the Transport Workers Union for oh, yeah. for a fantastic interview. Um, that was a really great show. I'm really happy with that. So Stay tuned
2: for Brisbane Line. Yes, if you liked our show, you're going to love Brisbane Line. You're going to
0: love them. So stick around here on Four Triple Z, and we will see you next Tuesday.